0: Red alert, all hands to battle stations. Maximum warp. Engage. Blop culture is brought to you by SimpliSafe. Protect your home the smart way without the expensive long term contracts using SimpliSafe. Visit slash ricochet. Go right now and you'll also get free shipping on your order and a free keychain remote worth 25 bucks. Visit simplesafecom slash ricochet to get started. And by Casper Mattresses, get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting www.casper.com slash glop. And using the coupon code GLOP at checkout, you'll sleep better knowing you did. And by the great courses. You're a lifelong learner. We're lifelong learners. Get unlimited access to stream a large library of engaging video lecture series presented by award-winning professors and experts in their fields. Go to thegreatcoursesplus.com slash GLOP. So, yes, this is GLOP Culture. I'm John Podhoritz, the editor of Commentary here in New York City. and with us, as always, Jonah Goldberg, I believe in Washington, and very sleep-deprived. I'm correct, actually Jonah? in New
1: York City. I apologize for oh, not really? having breakfast with you, John, But I, uh, as we normally do when I'm here. But yes. i had other, other pressing things I had to uh, take care of. Like what? Um, like what? I had to meet with the edit, my editor for my book. For oh, oh <laughs> no. I was, it, no. I, was, I was hoping it was
2: something like, uh, I just didn't want to. Yeah, yeah, I had to wash my hair. I had to wash my hair. Too Uh, Jewy, just way too Jewy to
1: have breakfast with with Potiphar.
0: I I can't (laughs) take that much. I can't take that much Jewish in the morning. Well, Uh, listen. And Rob Long, where are you?
2: I am actually also in New York
0: City. And what happens? The three of us are in New York City, and we're all sitting in. This is bowling alone, everybody. We're just sitting alone. We
2: should have, yeah, talking to
0: each other on microphones.
2: I was, a, I was a little bit late getting here because, Christian and I had this late breakfast today. and um, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 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 yes. Oh, oh so did sorry. you? Uh, oh, it's uh, OK. Well paid, I, well had, other, it I had other
0: things to do. It wasn't I great. And by the way, really I'm very, very, um, I would say, overheated. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I uh, so I was in my office can hydrating. I, I unlike have, some, can, Unlike some people. I was drinking water. And you know, I hear hear that's important that some people's staff yell at her. They say Uh, they say, Hillary Clinton, drink some water. water. And you know what she says? She says, You're fired. She says, No,
2: I'm not drinking any water.
0: In in my planet,
2: water is a water is a toxic substance in my planet. I, I hear she, I, I, you. Know, no, it'll corrode my
1: batteries. <laughs>
0: <laughs> She's like, find me the robot. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, just like, how many? Well, staffers- she, by the way, she did a very convincing version of the robot. Perhaps the first good dance that she ever did when she was getting into that van. I yeah. think that we oh, that oh, could be now, a new dance Chris. Now, crazy. now that, robot. Uh
2: let's that that actually kind of broke my heart. I mean, I thought that I really have one. But it did kind of – the one that I – the part of the heart that I still have, it kind of broke it. It was so – oh, my god. It was so uh, – I don't know. That, that was like – when I saw it, I thought, oh, I'll laugh at this. And then I saw it, I thought, oh, I don't want to laugh at this. This is like an old lady losing it. But I, can I just tell But I got to yeah, correct you. It's yes. not like
1: an old lady losing <laughs> it. It's not a metaphor. It's an old lady losing it, <laughs> right? I mean that's what it is. Um, I,
2: I. It uh, is
0: not I, that. It's landed, just that she needed some water. She's some water, and right. she won't drink water. And she needs water, and she won't drink water. Plus, who, is
1: it,
2: plus, who is the only
1: one who can get her to drink the sweet, sweet life-sustaining liquid. <laughs>
2: right. well, I don't know where. Well, don't know by the way, is that, is that it, like, it's like it's such a it's such a classic Clinton or Hillary Clinton more than Bill Clinton, but Hillary Clinton team lie because it. It makes it, it, it. They're always going for the twofer. You know, it's not just listen. It's a hard thing. She's running for president. She's incredibly ambitious. She doesn't want to give up. She got it pneumonia and she kept pushing. It's got to be no. We actually have a fun little human interaction with this person where we're all loving her and saying you should drink more water. She's like no, I don't have time, and it really bugs. It, it, it like they have to. They always go for the over-the-top, slightly too embroidered lie. Well, that wasn't even the worst of it. The worst of it was that, so there's
0: an hour and a half where she has this thing happen. They shove her in the car. Nobody would have known about this if it hadn't been for those snooping kids with the iPhones. Right. Since Since they had designed this so that the traveling press could not follow her and would not follow her and have footage of her getting in the car. But of course they didn't count on the iPhone because they live in 1872. And they get her in the car, everybody sees this, nobody knows where she is. Rick Leventhal of Fox is told by some sources that she has had this incident. People are poo-pooing it on Twitter like it's not true. And then for an hour and a half, there is radio silence. Nobody knows where she is. They're not issuing statements, anything like that. Finally, they say that she was overcome by the heat and she went to her daughter's apartment. Then they where, where say, "Where is your daughter's
2: apartment? Do we know where it it's is?" On, yeah, it's it's
0: off um, Madison Square Park.
2: Oh, fancy!
0: Uh, yeah, it's a ten million dollar apartment because you know uh, that's a nonprofit. <laughs> <laughs> she works for. That's anyway, what, I, oh, I was different. there yesterday. That must have been
1: why all the paparazzi are in that building. I didn't know that's oh, where she yeah. oh. ah, yeah,
2: yeah. Okay. so You were um, just, just, just there to meet your, your staughty overlord, Right, Jonah? He's just a
0: humble, <laughs> humble non yeah. worker can you, can married so to I, a really unsuccessful hedge fund guy.
2: Can I, can I read a, 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 yeah. a text message I got from a friend of mine in Los Angeles who is a Democrat, right? So he is a Democrat. His question to me was Is it weird that Bill Clinton wasn't at the 9/11 memorial with Hillary? His wife's got pneumonia. She's going to be outside for 2 hours. Where else should he be? Where was he? Uh, well, are you saying that they're, are you Who doesn't accompany married? who doesn't accompany a 68-year-old spouse outside for 2 hours with pneumonia? That is effing weird. Not if you've been – you've been separated from her for 20 years. <laughs>
0: I mean like they, now, they are you know, not no, – your, your exaggeration, your lies and exaggerations 15 are years. just beyond the belt 15 years <laughs> and it's enough. Right wingers, with your, your prevarications and your dishonesty. I actually
2: found that to be a compelling – we, nobody asks that question because everybody kind of has already internalized it. They're not really mand- – I, I said at the very beginning of this campaign even before the, you know, it became all about Trump. It's like the weird thing is we all have to now participate in this non-marriage and pretend it really is a marriage. We're all kind of like the abused kids, like pretending that mommy and daddy still love each other even though they're never in the same room. And nobody even thinks to ask, like, well, where's this husband that – who gave this beautiful speech about her at the convention, how she loves her? His 68-year-old wife has got – pneumonia he he's clear did he not know did no one tell him on friday it's very weird well why would they tell
0: him they didn't tell anybody else why would they tell him
2: here's my favorite
0: (laughs) line here's here's (laughs) my (laughs) fake marriage okay here's my favorite line.
1: wait go ahead joe go ahead yeah here's my favorite line from the new york times today it says uh now sidelined with pneumonia just as she hoped to reintroduce herself with a series of more personal oh, no. policy speeches, Mrs. Clinton has left herself uniquely vulnerable to an unplanned absence. This woman has had more reintroductions. I mean, I, I don't know. What's, what's the right vaudeville you know, an, analogy? Yeah. I mean, she is – the New York Times did a piece a year and a half ago about the coming of Hillary 5.0. You know, at, at some point, they're just going to have to realize people
2: don't like this woman, and you can't. You know oh, you, I don't that know. Listen, Jonah, true. listen, Jonah. Jonah, the only problem with Hillary five is there's no headphone jack. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go and it, there. And it's resistant. <laughs> <So laughs> <I'm> totally- <laughs> and it's, now, res- it's resistant
0: to water. We but I that. hear, but I hear that she has an excellent new operating system. That she can reintroduce personally faster. using many – it's much faster. It has it has all kinds of emojis, new emojis, and yeah. stickers. So that when she gives her speech, reintroducing herself in personal ways, she can add a face with a little tear. Oh, she can good. put, some, I like put that. some fireworks behind it while she's speaking. And, and it does. Apparently, there's a lot more battery life. So um, I, I, think, I, I think that okay, uh, so this, this operating uh, you know, IO Hillary seven, IO Hillary 10 IOH 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 10, um, or 250,000 dollars, if you're Goldman Sachs, uh, IOH250,000 dollars, is, I think, really the best operating system that we've yet seen for Hillary Clinton.
2: I would just like to go on record as saying that I believe that my life took the wrong turn. My sophomore year in college, when I decided not to take an uh, economics course because I was never, ever really going to want to be in finance, and then I didn't go into finance and become a banker at Goldman Sachs. I regret that. Every single thing, every single piece of this campaign touches on Goldman Sachs, you, including you, Evan – what's his name? Evan – Evan mcMullen The Evan Right. Yeah. yeah,
0: Steve Bannon, who, because he was at Goldman Sachs, in the greatest irony of 2016, Stephen Bannon's fortune at Goldman Sachs comes from the fact that he set up a deal that gave him part ownership in the uh, in syndication rights to Seinfeld, right. specifically.
2: What I love is that guy who With hates Rob Jews.
0: Reiner. Rob yeah. Reiner, who is like, cannot believe that... Castle Rock, his company, which produced Seinfeld, is now paying for the Trump campaign. It is one of the great, savage ironies. He, he and Vladimir, Vladimir Putin. Putin. Yeah, to be fair. <laughs> well, you know, but Seinfeld and Seinfeld and Vladimir Putin have a lot in common. That's true. A lot of um, situa- observational humor.
2: Right. But I love that, that Steve Bannon, um, who, who uh, I think it's fair to say, just looking at how how it, how it's reported and talked about on Breitbart.com, the, the – the, a name I actually can't say. I shouldn't say because it's it's painful yeah. to say it. Um, to use a, the name, the surname of a, of a of a of a man I knew and loved and thought was terrific and um, would not be. I, I think it's fair to say I'm one hundred percent certain would not be down with this. But that that site right now is not friendly to the Jews, and yet it is <laughs> entirely paid for by the single most Jewish piece of popular entertainment ever. Um, Seinfeld. Seinfeld. Yes. Oh, I thought you meant Star Wars. That's interesting. No, no. Uh (laughs) Uh There was there was a Doris Day movie I saw once at like three in the morning, and uh, it clearly had been written very quickly and had been written by two you know uh, uh, New Yorkers, we'll say euphemistically New Yorkers, because at one point she turns. I don't know if she turns to uh, Rock Hudson and she says, "If you do that one more time, I will give you such a hit." So, yeah, you know, maybe not so much. It's Jewish like my,
0: that's okay. like my favorite line <laughs> from the most Jewish line ever, which is in the uh, Jonah Jonah's uh, My Beloved uh, series, The Odd Couple. Uh, when um, one of the substrata of The Odd Couple is that Oscar Madison is said to have a dear uh, old frenemyship with Monty Hall, the host of Let's right. Make a Deal. <laughs> And at some point, because Monty Hall is being mean to him, he says, that Monty Hall, I'm going to give him such a slap, he won't know door number one from door number three. <laughs> <laughs> That's my idea of fine
2: writing. That's good, yeah.
1: That's some so, fine writing. Uh, I want to go back just for two seconds to the, uh, the kid who shot the video of Hillary um, acting like an old lady. Falling apart. Uh, (laughs) um, And uh, it reminds me of probably one of the single greatest lines from The Simpsons, you know, which I haven't watched a new Simpsons in 10 years probably. But um, in the first or second season, there's this great episode where Mr. Burns is running for governor. And uh, he decides to do this photo op thing where he's going to have dinner at The Simpsons house, you know, dine with the, the little people and it'll be a great thing. And Lisa uh, serves the three-eyed fish, this mutant fish from the waters around Springfield that the nuclear power plant has mutated. And it becomes news, and on the way out, Mr. Burns says something uh, to the effect of – I can't get the exact quote, but he says, says, Smithers, these slack-jawed yokels have single-handedly ruined any chance I have for a political career, and yet – in this country, if I were to kill them, I would be the one to go to jail. <laughs> uh, you know that's how they feel about this kid with the iPhone, you know, who took right, video. How, right,
0: right. <laughs> how about the video. How about the fact that we're told that she has walking pneumonia, she's this, she's that, and then she's in such wonderful shape after the disappearing act for 90 minutes where nobody knows where she is. That she goes to her daughter's apartment and she runs around after her grandchildren. She's running around right. and giving them hugs, <laughs> giving and them giving dem- them Epstein <laughs> bar, infecting <laughs> them with Epstein bar. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, if that if if that isn't the the biggest pile of crap that you ever heard, and she's by the like, way, cla- yeah.
2: when when the Ebola guy came back, the Ebola doctor came back from Africa. Uh, I was here in New York. Um, and they tracked every single one of his movements. He was like, they, they, uh, there were hazmat yeah. guys in the West 4th Street subway station. The meatball shop on Greenwich, uh, had <laughs> yellow tape around it. I mean, they followed <laughs> him. He went to the bu- but For some reason, that guy, when he came back from Africa with Ebola, he went all over town. Like, he was all over everywhere. <laughs> he was <laughs> biking. He was he got on a – He was biking. I, go. I want to see how many burrows I can hit in one day. Yeah, and see
1: I'm what biking. I- it's um, time for me to bike. Anyway, what, what I like is the, um, the week. Leic- Like, so last week is totally sexist to even mention that Hillary Clinton might have a health issue. I mean, sexist, don't do it, sexism, sexism, blah, blah, blah. And then the second it turns out she has pneumonia, everybody is like, of course, she just kept soldiering on even though she was sick because yeah. that's what women do. Yeah, that's <laughs> what Jennifer <laughs> <a> Granholm –
2: <laughs> That's what
0: – the former – I love that because before, that, was, that was the tweet by the former governor of Michigan, sure. Jennifer, Jennifer Granholm. Granholm, who literally said that. Women, power well, – through. through I was
1: on with a prominent li- – I was on a panel last night with a very prominent liberal This off the record thing and and she went on at length making that exact argument after saying – that it was sexist the week before. I mean, it was like, the cognitive dissonance was strong. It was really Well, but
0: how about Hillary saying in that email to her supporters, um, you know, I wanted to power through. And when it was power clear that I could so no more tested, yeah. power through, I could no longer power through, which I think it translates as following. Uh, I lied, and then I could no longer lie. So I lied in a different way, and now I'm going to see whether that lie is going to take
2: Okay, and I, so and you know what? It, it, it's gonna
0: right. Well, because we don't know. The truth is, we don't know anything, and we have no reason now to believe that the diagnosis is simple pneumonia. Uh, we have no reason to believe that that any of this is true. We don't know who this doctor is. No one. We don't know anything, right? So, what we know is they're Clintons, and they lie like they breathe, and now. I was last night at my very liberal progressive kids' school, and. The school is liberal progressive. Dozens. (laughs) Yes. Dozens of people (laughs) are coming up to me and going, What the hell is going on? Like, is it really pneumonia? I mean, I I was going up to, you know, there are a bunch of doctors on staff, you know, serious New York City doctors, and people are saying, is that really pneumonia? Is that Not, what it yeah. looks like when people have pneumonia? I don't really know. <laughs> so it's like those of us who have been spending 20 years saying you cannot believe a word that comes out of these people's mouths. They say that there were the billing records were just – it's like, oh, the billing record. They were just in a closet uh, in the White good. House. You, know, well, you cannot believe a word that comes out of their mouths. And now what you, what you, six weeks before whatever it is, eight weeks before the election – The entire country, including liberals, has to wrestle with the fact that there was a blatant lie, dishonesty, you know, right in front of everybody for the purposes of covering up the possibility that she was sick. And it makes you think, how on earth could it be that you couldn't just say, look, she got sick, she's under the weather this weekend, you know, she's been campaigning for two years and she got sick. And, and, you know, she's taken the weekend off on the campaign trail. And then – and then Trump goes around and says, oh, you see, she has no stamina. That's what I've been saying. She has no stamina. But who, anybody who was going to buy that line about her has bought it already. Right. So it's, it's already been heard. A hundred million, 200 Some, million people. Sometimes,
2: have it. John, simple is better. Speaking of simple, we're thrilled to welcome a new sponsor to the Glob Podcast and to the Ricochet Audio Network, safe. Now thousands of people seeking home security get ripped off. Every day, you get locked into long-term contracts, you get stuck, you write huge checks, they, they, they bill you in a credit card, there's no way out. It's a kind of a robbery, it could cost you thousands, but there's a smarter way to protect your home and that's SimpliSafe Home Security. SimpliSafe was built by a Harvard-educated engineer to make you and your family safe. SimpliSafe offers 24-7 professional monitoring without all the things that make most home security such a pain, like complicated annual contracts, expensive installation, no landline is needed for this. You get superior protection for less than a half Of what traditional companies charge, here's why it's a better choice: you get superior protection with 24/7 monitoring and police dispatch. No annual contracts, unlike traditional alarm companies that lock customers into three-year contracts with nasty auto renewal things and all that fine print. Monitoring for less than half the cost of traditional alarm companies. It all starts, the professional monitoring starts at 14 99 per month. SimpliSafe does not charge any activi- activation, installation, or hidden fees. With a built-in cellular signal, you don't have to pay for a landline phone. Plus, a cellular connection is faster than landline, and it's safer, unlike traditional wired alarm systems. Burglars cannot shut it cannot shut it down by cutting a cable. User friendly wireless design, easy to do it yourself installation, simple safe design. A home security system that's extremely user friendly can be installed by anyone in under thirty minutes without turning a screw. That's probably uh, forty five minutes for John Podoritz. Pricing transparency: all of the costs are explained up front on the website the customers in complete control from start to finish it is never hit with hidden fees order directly on the simplest safe website website and they ship the system to your doorstep with simply safe 24/7 protections. just 15 bucks a month most places places charge three times that it's unbeatable a great value no contracts protect your home the smart way Visit simplysafe.com slash ricochet. That's S I M P L I S A F E dot com slash ricochet. Go right now. Get free shipping on your order and a free keychain remote worth twenty five bucks. It takes only a minute to get started. Visit simplysafe.com slash ricochet. We thank them um, for their uh, sponsorship and for a great product.
0: Can I just say that that your your continued slandering of my, <laughs> of my, I don't of think my it's ability to yeah. live like normal life. Here's what happens with me: I get a piece of IKEA furniture
2: and I put. Oh it my together. god! Just stop right there, Wait. John Pedorts with a piece of IKEA furniture. So I put used... it together,
0: and everything is fine, except when I'm done, there are always four yeah. screws on the floor, and I'm like, "Uh, where did the <laughs> where were those supposed yeah. to go?" It's not that I can't construct. The piece of furniture he just can't construct in well ordinary amount of time. You just can't <laughs> construct it completely. It's just it's that there's
2: always there's always a couple of yeah. It's I can't sleep. Then at three screws. in the morning, one of your daughter's beds collapses. <laughs> John, you
1: think you think yeah, really course. defending yourself here? Like you think this is like the best no. case? Can make? I'm just
0: saying. I'm just saying that you said that it took me extra time, and it doesn't take it takes me you extra less time. It's just you don't complete the job there's properly. There's a screw or two <laughs> yeah. left on the and arrow, and you know one of those nice with the nice Allen wrench, and you know then sometimes I have to completely disassemble what I've done because I'm a responsible parent, but sometimes yeah. I don't. Yeah.
1: Some Alan Wrench I is I actually don't. a great, like, waspy name for a character in a novel.
0: That's yeah, true. <laughs> it's it's true. very, right. yeah. very true.
2: Alan, Alan Wrench. Alan Wrench. Yeah.
0: Alan Wrench,
1: he's not a mensch, but, right. you know. Yeah.
2: <laughs> anyway, go on. Um, well, they find out the, – the big the big uh, middle of the book uh, reveal is they find out his uh, – the real name was Wrenchberg. <laughs> 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 That's right. Alan, Alan Wrenchesberg,
0: who becomes Woody Allen. Right. Um, no, so um, – You know, the funniest thing that has happened, I think, or the most, like, savagely ironic thing that has happened in the last 10 days is watching liberal commentators alarmed at the apparent meltdown of Hillary Clinton's support. Somewhat, not meltdown, but, you know, but the shrinking of Hillary Clinton's support. um, Now deciding that the problem is conservative media bias <laughs> and that and that Hillary yeah, right. Clinton and that Hillary Clinton has somehow become is being unjustly treated by the media how because they're reporting on her and they're not attacking Trump enough or as you might put it Trump deserves to be attacked because of his unique qualities. Fifty times more than Hillary is attacked, and so if she's attacked, let's say, at around, or she is investigated with around the same energy that Trump is investigated, that that is implicitly unjust because Trump must be destroyed. Period. That is, you know, all good thinking people think that the purpose of this being involved in this election season is the destruction of Trump and anything that does not serve that purpose explicitly is by definition evil and so if you were if you do something on the Clinton Foundation right. but you don't devote twice or to five times as much space to the problems with the Trump Foundation then you are implicitly serving the Trump interest and are bad and the New York Times is the epicenter of this the the behavior in the times, do you think that anyone's? Attack?
2: Do you, do you think that there's going to be that that is really just cover so that later on, the I mean, I, as Jonah said from the New York Times, that 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 seems like an extremely puffed way of describing Hillary Clinton's present situation, right? I mean, Jonah, did you I ever notice that, that, that? I mean,
0: more about investigations but, into her, into the email and the foundation,
2: right? right? Well, so, but there, it's not like there isn't right. some. I mean. Yeah, my, I, I, think there the, is. I, I think
1: the I think the problem that the press faces right now is, and you've been hearing it in the sort of the thumb sucking um, media criticism world for about a month now, is this problem of asymmetry, right? The idea, I mean, I, I think Pod's absolutely right. You know, he's been saying on Twitter this idea that the media hasn't been tough on Trump is ludicrous. Right? I mean of course it's been tough on Trump. But the problem is, and this is actually this is one of the few points I actually am in complete agreement with Rush Limbaugh on, is that Trump is from outside the normal rules of politics, so he doesn't get judged by the normal rules of politics. He gets away with crap that would destroy a normal politician. Hillary isn't just part of normal politics, she's largely defined politics in this country for a quarter of a century. She is she is of the system and she's a bad retail politician. She's a bad explainer, she's a bad talker, and she gets judged as a politician and that's as it should be to a certain extent because she's running to say I am not the risky one. I'm the part I'm part of the system. I'm not right. like this monster from outside the system. And the problem is is that measured by the normal rules of politics, Hillary is awful. She's awful <laughs>
2: and so right. You right. Can't, i think you actually bl- blew right. the sound
1: at that point. <laughs> but i'm going like <laughs> she is just a terrible terrible politician and so you can't treat her as a normal politician and not take that into account I meanwhile well, right, trump is just this monster from you know from the outside the from normal the world you know, yeah
0: Right. No, but here's the secret, though. The secret is you have to think about why this is being expressed by Paul Krugman, by Jonathan Chait, by all these by, – by Josh Marshall of Talking Points Memo. Why are they hitting this so hard? And they're hitting this so hard because they are getting terrified. They yeah, are yeah okay. terrified. And they are looking at – and this is why it's a savage irony because, of course, as Bill Kristol joked the other day, for 25 years – When Republicans get into trouble and start looking like they're going to lose, the internal Republican debate is, well, it's the media. The media. The media are destroying. Look. Look how the media are jumping down their throat. Look. Romney with the dog on the roof and the 47 percent remark and this and that and the other thing. And it's so unfair and they pile on and it's monstrous and it's terrible. And, of course, we agree, I think, all three of us agree that – the media's treatment of conservatives and Republicans is fundamentally wrongheaded, unjust, ignorant, and, and tends toward you know, doing whatever, it, whatever is possible to suppress the vote of people right. that they don't want. Having said that, in the end, all sensible people know that when a candidate starts tanking or things start happening, it's the fault of the candidate – you but can't don't you believe
2: that, that all, of those, all of those people you mentioned who are making the statement – I mean I'm, I'm going to use a, a, a vivid metaphor. Don't you believe that that is a call to action so that you – to the rest of the media to help this collapsing old lady into Absolutely. the car?
1: Yes, of course. That's what they're okay. saying.
2: She's and collapsing. She's sick. She's not going to make it. We all have to help her get into that White House, get into that black car.
0: That is exactly what's going on. And Jim Ruttenberg, who is the new media columnist for the New York Times, replacing the late David Carr, had as one of his first columns, his column saying, Trump, this is the reverse of Rush Limbaugh. Trump is not a normal candidate and cannot be covered normally, meaning it is the responsibility and obligation of people who are nominally, who pretend to objectivity that we don't believe they own, to abandon right. their pretense of objectivity openly and nakedly to defeat him and prevent him from getting in, in the Oval Office because he is a unique threat to the Americans. See, I, I have a column in the LA Times today sort of on this point, and I think
1: that is terrible, terrible advice for liberals because Trump benefits whenever yeah. the sort of elite media beltway system seems to be rigging the game against him. And like when they started circling the wagon saying it's sexist to talk about Hillary's health, and then it turns out that she's not healthy, the response from a lot of normal, decent Americans, ah, looks like Drudge was right again. And that is not good for Democrats. They, the press should be extra careful to play this as straight as possible and not try to play those kinds of games because – the, I think a lot of people in the mainstream press don't realize what contempt large numbers of American people hold them in. And the other thing I would say is, you know, not only is I think are Chait and those guys panicking and trying to work the refs, my favorite example of this sort of liberal panic, um, and I'll confess I did not read the whole piece because there was just no reason to. Uh, Jeet here, I think that's how you pronounce his name, at the oh, York yeah. Public.
2: Who is that guy? Ha- yeah.
1: He had a piece, he has a piece saying that. Never Trump politicians, you know Romney, Bush, and I guess pundits too, um, have no moral backbone, no principle whatsoever, unless they all they go all in and endorse Hillary Clinton. <laughs> like uh, yeah. opposing Donald yeah. Trump isn't enough. You have to. Yeah. And it, it's it's basically they're saying, you know, we help. We need reinforcements. And they're trying to right. shame, you know, everybody who opposes Trump on the right to be for
0: Hillary. But, you know. Right. Just, just as everybody who supports Trump on the right makes the same the argument, exact same argument yeah. in reverse, which right. is, you know, you're going to elect Hillary if you don't support Trump. Now, I think what is absolutely true about what you just said, Jonah, is not only do they not need – should they play it straight because they are you know, confirming the biases, but the other thing that's going on is that they are getting, winding themselves up into a condition in which the notion of saying Hillary has these problems but Trump is something new and something dangerous – requires acknowledging that Hillary has problems. In other words, the rational right. thing to say, if what you're trying to do is getting get people to make a dispassionate choice in an election in which you have two candidates with uniquely high unfavorables, is to say, yeah, Hillary is bad. Trump is worse. Right. But you have to say that Hillary is bad in order to say that the Trump Clinton's is worse.
2: 25, 30 years of the Clintons, and they are still making their supporters twist themselves into knots
1: they gaslight everybody it, it,
2: everybody it's amazing. it's amazing it's really sort of extraordinary it's not enough to just say oh you know politician not so good we you know we're running what we the best we got she was next in line uh, yeah. uh, she'll be fine. Um, uninspired progressive leadership. But, you know, be, that's what you like. Yeah. It, it, instead, yeah. you must somehow <laughs> gin up this, yeah. this weird. It's bizarre for this to to talk about this centimillionaire old lady who has been around forever and talk about she's gonna break the glass ceiling. No glass, she's gonna break yeah. anything. She's a rich and, old white lady. Rich old white ladies do great in America. And we've already seen now in Jenner. some <laughs> ways, shape, shape,
0: in some way, shape, or form by the rise of Trump. Right yeah. By the rise of Trump that if you declare saying all kinds of things out of bounds in the United States. It's yeah. not like they don't get said. Oh yeah. It's that they get said quietly right. and
2: it's, they get it's, said indirectly it's the Reddit and effect. then what? It's the reddit effect. Uh, we have right. this incredibly political uh, politically correct culture, except when you go on reddit. and I mean obviously there's parts of reddit and I don't think there's parts of reddit, but there's parts of those reddit kind of 4chan kind of right. groups that are you know filthy and and deplorable, a basket of deplorable a, a subreddit of deplorables, I should say. Right. But there's also this kind of freewheeling funny stuff that's beyond the pale. That really, a lot of it sounds like AirSAT's kind of what we used to do in the writer's room, you know, just to warm up with like the, yeah. a list of a, 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 an hour of jokes that you simply cannot say and are actionable. And you would, you know, are, are, we used yeah. to do these mock trials where we'd say, and so, Mr. Long, you said, uh, you are aware, are you not, that, um, oh, I, you know, Anne Frank is a symbol of heroism <laughs> to many people. And I would like lean forward and like, yes, I am, Senator. Yeah. And so, nonetheless, yeah. you made a joke, and I, I regret those words. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but like, not oh, like, this because like the there's always time. like that's, but that's what once you once you once you declare everything out of bounds, that you're not even allowed to say yeah. that women have uteruses. Like saying saying yeah. a woman has a uterus is now a right. statement that is questionable. Like real, well, okay. no, some don't. Well, right. all the women who have, who get pregnant. Well, there are some men who are pregnant. Well, that is insane. That's an insane thing to say. But right. I've just committed thought crime.
1: But it's funny. You're, no, but it's funny you bring this up because I was just point, I was yeah. just writing about this for this the the book I'm working on about something similar about how it's funny in this era of trigger warnings and all of this stuff. You guys know stand up comedy better than I do, but I listen to a lot of it on you know satellite radio and the Comedy Central and all that kind of stuff. It is so much raunchier. Oh, and yeah. bluer than it's ever been before, at the precise moment where all these people are freaking out about um, the you know the, the most ridiculous politically correct offenses, and I, I do think it's an outlet right. that it's sort of oh, telling yeah. that right. it's happening, you know.
2: Right. Well, it's well, like, like when, other... when everything's racist. All you need to do is to watch a uh, you know a, 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 a predominantly African American TV show, or go and listen to a a good African American stand up, and you suddenly discover this incredibly funny multiplicity of v- you know voices right. and jokes yeah. that you thought, well, I didn't know anyone was allowed to make a joke like that.
0: Right. right. By right. the way, then send this out. If you spend thirty years telling everybody that any critical assessment of black on black crime or the condition of, you know, black males in the United States or whatever is racist. At some point, accusing people of being racist isn't going to have the effect that you think it is. So this poll comes out, the Washington Post, 60% of people Say that Donald Trump is a racist. So Greg Sargent of the Washington Post and others are trumpeting, trumpeting. So it's like he can't win. Look at this number. 60% think he's a racist. Well, if you say that every white person is racist, you start defanging the right. attack. You start defanging the effect of saying someone is a racist and therefore is written out of American culture. It's not going to work because if everybody's a racist, then it's like, okay, well, everybody's a racist. So what else What else, What else? else is he saying that I should pay attention <laughs> right, to? Right. Like if he's a racist, that means also Hillary is a racist because they're both white and whites have white privilege and all of that. So well, Trump says she's I'm not a bigot. even going to pay attention to that. Yeah. So I'm not even going to pay attention to that part. But maybe they're not so, racist. Maybe they're
2: just dehydrated. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, I'm, but I'm just saying like, you know, this notion that these things become – you know um prima facie uh Uh-oh. you know that's it you you're written out of society the latin yeah well i didn't use hebrew so i got so that that should give me some points
2: you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah because it's yeah, America, man. In America, we speak Latin.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, you know, a lot of those alt-right nicks are full of that. You know, this is the Greco-Roman society, yeah, right, not the right. Judeo-Christian <laughs> Which, society.
2: always uh, like. Does that mean we have to be nude? <laughs> then we going to do Greco-Roman style yeah. uh, politics. Yeah. Well, yeah. okay, we're I'm nude, not we're, sure.
0: Yeah,
2: I'm going to We're nude. We're nude and gay, but we don't say we're gay and oiled. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Speaking uh, of nude and gay and oiled. What, and and Greco-Roman yes. um uh, Am I history. ever not
1: speaking of Newton Gay and oiled? I mean I, this, <laughs> no, no,
2: please, please. Um I would sh- I'm giving you a segue into the Great Courses. Oh really? Okay. Or, well the do Great do Courses. Let's it, I'll
0: do it. I'll okay. do it. So the Great Courses, which in, include investigations into the nature of Western civilization, including the Greeks, the Romans, the 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 Hebrews, the the rise of Islam, everything else. This is the sort of thing that you learn best, I think, as an adult, because you have flavoring and you have an understanding of the world, and so many of you listening to this podcast are lifelong learners, and we are too, which is why we continue to enjoy The Great Courses Plus and encourage you to sign up. You'll have unlimited access to stream a large library of engaging video lecture series presented by award-winning professors and experts in their fields. Learn about anything that interests you, politics, history, even art and photography. Watch anywhere at any time. This month, we're recommending you watch the course Critical Business Skills for Success. It's an opportunity to learn from professors at some of the top business schools in the country. You'll learn valuable tools and insights you would get from an MBA program, a solid understanding of the fundamental skills for business, strategy, operations, finance, organizational behavior, and marketing. And here's a special officer for offer for GLOP listeners. We know you'll love the Great Courses Plus like we do. Sign up today. As one of our listeners, you'll immediately get one month free to start watching as many lectures as you want. So start your free trial today. Sign up now at thegreatcoursesplus.com slash GLOP. That's T-H-E-G-R-E-A-T-C-O-U-R-S-E-S plus dot com slash GLOP. Our thanks to Great Courses for sponsoring GLOP Culture.
2: Yes, and can I just, before we uh, break in continue with our, our, our um our, uh, our basket of deplorables. Our, um, our dialogue. <laughs> uh, our dialogue, right. We continue our national conversation uh, that we're people having with literally, literally li- within two miles of each other, practically. People come to come um, up for the uh, logos. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for the gnosis. Um, if uh, if you are listening to Glop uh, the, and you enjoy this podcast, and there are tens and tens and tens of thousands of you who do, it is brought to you by ricochet.com. Ricochet.com is a fast growing conversation site on the web. Uh, we we need members at ricochet.com. Here's how it works with Ricochet you, you pay a little bit, and you have skin in the game, and you can have a great conversation with no trolls. We are the only place that does that. We figured it out. If you are uh, so inclined to believe in the free market system as the most efficient way to deliver, Deliver products of value this is your chance to actually strike a blow for that uh the the internet is a cesspool in a swamp and all the conversations eventually become uh filthy and, and a basket of deplorables we, uh, ours do not because everyone is a member and everyone has skin in the game um it's a way to it's a as if it's, it's a it's an internet um conversation place uh, as designed by milton friedman Uh, So please join. We actually really do need you to do that. So if you've been putting it off and been thinking about it, do not put it off. Please do it today. We do need you to do that today, I promise. When when should Uh, they do it?
0: Today. Yesterday. Not in the 23rd century. And I bring that up because, of course, September 8th was (laughs) the 50th anniversary of the debut of what I believe to be the single most important piece of popular culture of the last half century which is Star Trek. And I say it's the most important, not because it's the greatest or it's the most enduring, but because it is the fundament from which Mm. most of the uh, explosion in American popular culture in the (laughs) 70s, 80s, 90s, and today, up to today, comes from.
2: So so Jonah... It brought
0: brought science fiction out of the sort of fourth-rate, you know, pulp publications where it was residing and from the... You know, paperback right. area so, in the bookstore and made it the
2: single most important cultural export of the United States. So, Joan, if I heard right, John just called Star Trek an explosion from the fundament. <laughs> Wh- when will people treat you guys with respect is what I want to know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what is that supposed <laughs> to mean? <laughs> well, uh, I mean, uh, do you buy that? Really? I, I mean I I'm agnostic in this but I found that I think that your statement John is is uh, way out there and I want to hear from a from a, a certified fan of the Star Trek universe that it's, it truly is an explosion from the fundamentals. I,
1: I like how you definitely avoided getting on the wrong side of the schism between the nomenclature of Trekkie versus Trekker which right, is what I say. You you just said a longtime fan of the genre oh, which is a Trekkier. Um <laughs> Because this is like alcove one versus alcove two so, for when it comes to this. Stuff. Um, yeah. uh, no, look, I actually kind of agree with John. I mean, I think that it's. I, I don't know. I mean, I, th- I think you can make a case for a couple other um, pop culture products being, you know, hugely important. I mean, like, look, Twilight Zone wasn't expressly science fiction, but it wasn't expressly not science fiction, and some of the writing in Twilight Zone was amazing. And, in fact, better than a lot of the stuff that was in Star Trek, which is actually not that controversial a statement. You know, like, they did—they did—they took Occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge, you know, by Ambrose Bierce and turned it into a dialog episode of The Twilight Zone that was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know that you get um, – you know, what was interesting to me about Star Trek was, in a way, how contrary to science fiction, it actually – is because I mean the whole point of science fiction is 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 usually to be sort of dystopian, and it wasn't dystopian. It was it was utopian. You know that we've sort of gotten past money, gotten past problems, and all that kind of stuff. Of course, there's something slightly fascistic to the idea that the best organization for society is this military you know organization. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think look, I mean, it's weird. We talked about Star Trek in the last
2: podcast, and I. Yes, we seem to talk about it a lot,
1: and I, I don't know, but it, it it really brought up for me these, <laughs> my ambivalence about Star trek, um even though I was an enormous fan of Star Trek growing up, and i you know I can still quote vast amounts of Star Trek at you um and I watched almost all of the spinoffs I got a little weary with like Enterprise and Voyager, but I watched them um and now I just – I find the whole conversation exhausting. I haven't written anything about Star Trek um, in part because yeah, but the, the I, part of the fun of it was that it was supposed to be a niche thing. It's like if everybody started playing Dungeons & Dragons, a lot of the people who like Dungeons & Dragons would stop liking it. And that's kind of how I feel that's about
0: the it. Central, that's the cultural point. Like I'm not defending it. I'm not talking about whether it was better than Twilight Zone or not. I'm saying that – when you look at it as a product, it it created all kinds mm-hmm. of markets that didn't exist before. It was one of the first shows to fail on television and succeed in syndication. That's a very good point. Yeah, that was number one. It basically it created long tail the, the world of fandom, which had been a you know an oh. organized fandom, so that the convention system, the fanboy world, that has now become a kind of uh, root base for the uh, launching of pop culture artifacts um, w- really came out of Star Trek, and
2: and I, I think that's, like that's so yeah. Star
0: Wars. Which it was, was also of impossible
2: work- to see for for you know you added up the number of eyeballs that actually saw an episode of Star Trek. It, it, it was a, It's probably a small number when you think of its cultural reach. It was impossible to see Star Wars or anything after that without at least acknowledging this sort of Star Trek kind of thing. Right. Um, I, I, the, the fandom thing yeah. I think is so very, that, very – that's a really so, interesting point.
0: So that's all I'm saying. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not defending it in any way. I just think that it was it, – it essentially created a market yeah, that took no, over I, I, American I, popular culture and not – and by the way – you know, with very mixed results. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not happy with it. But, you know, the fact we you can you can you know trace the fact that it, you know a, a movie about you know ordinary people going through an ordinary life crisis and learning and growing you know the sort of thing that made movies for 50 years the most popular art form in the world are now a tiny minority of the movies yeah. that are made by the major studios in Hollywood. Um, the, the, is directly result the result of the blockbuster era, the, and yeah, that's a lot of that comes from Star Trek. So,
2: yeah, a lot of it also comes from moving the screens to where people are. I mean, the screens right. weren't the screens were I mean, when Star Trek was was on TV. Uh, movie screens had yet to be moved to where the uh, the audience was, which is the suburbs. They were still downtown. And so uh, actual uh, box office you know, attendance, not not by the late 60s, but in the early 60s had plummeted, really, because were, the screens were downtown and nobody wanted to go downtown. Um, but uh, the, uh, the two questions. things that – go ahead. Sorry. I was
1: just going to say, I, I, I think one of the things that is ruining movies is the fact that so many of them are just basically made for China, you know, it's sort of like – it's like prescription drugs. They recoup their costs right. here and they make all their profits over there. And so some – And by the way, are...
0: that's only getting worse. They They're getting crazy. financed. They're getting financed yeah. by China. Well, yeah. No, but there's now also – there were these two major fail – you know, like market corrections in the United States are being made difficult because of China. Like there were these two huge flops this year. Um, Big science fiction flops that made back. I, the, right now, I can't remember what they were, but like they were disasters. Here, and then they made two hundred million dollars in China. Warcraft, another one of them. Be, right now, they're going to be sequels to them. Right, and another hundred million dollars is going to be spent on each. That's going to uh, opportunity cost for movies that could have been made I, in other ways. And so, you know, that's a very unfortunate development. I, I would as well. say
2: two, two, two. I just want to say two things about Star Trek. Two little things that I've always loved about it. One, um, I always love – that if you drive around the Pacific Palisades where uh, Gene Roddenberry lived, you see that a lot of the planets came from street names there. That, that's really, <laughs> just really true. Like, yeah, like, hey, yeah, and, and, and it's, it's crazy. If you watch it, you think, wait a minute, I know somebody who lives on that street in the Palisades. Uh, and the second thing is that when they did the one with the woman captain. Um, yeah, that, and, which one was that? That was Enterprise, Voyager. Voyager, right? Whiger, and, they, yeah. and they shot it, like, it was in Paramount. I was at Paramount at the time. They shot it down the street. I mean, down, the, down at another soundstage. Um, no, actually I actually have one other Star Trek story. Uh, they, had, they it was it became Kate Mulgrew, but it was not Kate Mulgrew to start. They hired a different actress to start. Um Bujold and she was the original captain. And um, the uh, this this could be apocryphal, I will say for legal reasons, but I don't think it is. I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's not. But the it, there was a problem. That it didn't I mean, she didn't it didn't she didn't seem Star Trekky enough because she <laughs> She wouldn't say "engage the way it she couldn't like it just they didn't get engaged from her. she would say "engage <laughs> and so they would they shot a pilot i <laughs> serious with her saying "engage you know, it's more like engage engage not, okay engage and so they replaced her with someone who could say. Engage. So engage. Right. Uh, and then the second thing is a friend uh, – we um, – when the last season of Cheers, uh, a couple of the producers of – I guess it was still The Next Generation or maybe it was like – I don't know what. Uh, we, we, we gave them a spot at the bar. They were like they, – they, we let them be extras at the bar, which we would do for people in exchange for the Star Trek fans <laughs> who would, would then – uh, on the on the staff would then be able to like be get beamed down to the planet and then beamed back <laughs> up, right? That's like what it was like for and I I pictures of my of my colleagues yeah, in the Star Trek out people- yeah and there was one. My, my, my writing partner at the time, Dan Staley, who's a very very funny person. Uh, he was also a Star Trek fan. <laughs> but you know they 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 are beam down and they beam up, and then some terrible things happen on the planet, and they beam up, and then they come up, and there's uh, Jean Luc Picard, there's um, Patrick Stewart standing there looking stony faced as they all hobble off, and they're supposed to just hobble past him, you know, in a, in a motley group, <laughs> and and uh, they're given in, you know direction, hold your arm, hold your leg, uh, uh, you know, l- limp right. And so they did the shot four or five times just to get all the coverage. And But each time it was like, okay, beam up. All right, and then, and then hobble past the impassive, stony faced, resolute Captain Picard. And on the, uh, on the fourth take, uh, oh, Dan turned to another colleague of ours and said, if you give me $100 as I pass Picard, I will say, I'm fine. Thank you for asking. <laughs> and, and he said uh, all right I'll do it and he said okay no no it's got to be more than that and then they all as they were getting ready for the it got up to like I think $20,000 like the, all the extras I'll pitch you in a th- I want to I just wanted this piece yeah. I, I'm fine thank you for asking the, the bitchy Star Trek guy. and he, it, it, it never happened it never happened but it was my oh. dream anyway, isn't that sad oh man
0: but you know by <laughs> the little way show the, business, the, little the show business this. for you oh fantastic story the the one thing I will say is that I don't think that the subsequent series would have lasted without the brilliant decision to cast Patrick Stewart as, as Picard, sure, yeah. who was the sole reason that one of the great a Shakespearean actor gave an acting clinic on that show. Nobody else could hold a candle to him, whereas on the original Star Trek, you know, you had this kind of – Seesaw between Shatner and Nimoy, you know, who were very different types and very, you know, had a kind of comic thing going on between them. But that show was all Picard and Stewart. And if that hadn't worked, if they had cast somebody else in that part, those other series wouldn't have been made. I'm not sure it would have been. But a it, it, it's funny you
1: bring that up because it's not only was Patrick Stewart a good actor; almost every other actor in Star Trek: Next Generation. Was really really bad. I mean, <laughs> and it was really kind of amazing.
0: So bad.
1: But Jonathan Frakes, the Will Wiker character. Oh my I mean, god! Oh. Unbelievably
0: bad, bad actor. actor. Yeah. They were just terrible. Except I guess Data. I mean, except Brent Brent Spiner who played Data. He was okay. But and Will Wheaton as the kid. Ben that was, and, and yeah. And uh, Will Wheaton is now you know one of the worst people on Twitter. So yeah. we'll just say that. Anyway. Um, but you know what's not one of the worst people on Twitter is Casper mattresses. Hmm. I'm, 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 I'm questioning How's that for a transition? I'm, like that that? Transition. I'm not yeah. sure. Well,
2: I can't I'm not gonna well, be a clear picture. Gentlemen,
0: Casper oh, mattresses way, I believe that
2: I believe that transition is uh, dehydrated <laughs> and overcome with heat.
0: Yeah. Well you the know what's product what, is not so much better than transition. And you know what's not over you know what's not <laughs> yeah. overheated? Casper mattresses. The mattress industry, as you know, has forced consumers into paying notoriously high markups. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms and passing that savings directly to the consumer. Time magazine named it one of the best inventions of 2015. It is an award winning mattress that won't disappoint, obsessively engineered, shockingly fair price. Mattresses can often cost well over $1,500, but caspers cost $500 for a twin, $600 for a twin XL, $750 for a full, $850 for a queen, and $950 for a king. An in-house team of engineers spent thousands of hours developing the Casper, combined springy latex and supportive memory foams to create an award-winning sleeping surface with just the right sink, just the right bounce. Plus, it's breathable. Design sleep's cool to help you regulate your temperature throughout the night. Buying a Casper mattress, completely risk-free, free delivery, free returns with a 100-night home trial. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. Casper understands the importance of truly sleeping on a mattress before you commit, especially considering you're going to spend a third of your life on it. And Casper mattresses are made in America. So here's a special offer for listeners of GLOP. Get 50 bucks toward any mattress purchase by visiting www.casper.com and using the coupon code GLOP. Thanks to Casper Mattresses for sponsoring Glop Culture. So, guys, did any of you watch Stranger Things on Netflix yes. this summer? loved it. I loved it. Rob, what about you? I, I'm guessing I, you didn't see it. I didn't it.
2: see it yet, but I have it all sort of teed up and ready to go, and I've heard only great things about it.
0: I mean, uh, the reason that I commend it, and I think, Joe, so, is that it's this very interesting om- – It's a, it's a it's a very – Flavored homage to the pop culture of the 1980s that mixes and matches various influences and puts them together in an interesting way and even as it does all that, creates and builds its own story and its own atmosphere. So essentially, it's Stand By Me meets Poltergeist. With a little
1: 1990s X Files, there's a little of that in there too. I, right, yeah. that's right.
0: So, but but in the end, it is what it is, which is it's a story of uh, four boys uh, looking for their friend who has vanished, and uh, a distressed mother looking for the boy that has vanished, and a uh, and a kind of ruined cop who turns out to have very great personal resources in searching for this boy who has vanished. And it is um, funny. It is interesting. It is beautifully made. Um, and most interestingly about it, it is not that scary. So that even though it's kind of a horror setup, it doesn't, like, make you, it doesn't, you know, it's not too much to watch yeah. if you don't like scary I've things. Made, I
1: made my daughter watch Which me. I
0: think it turns out,
1: and? She loved it. I mean, she absolutely loved it. Yeah. And it's, yeah, you know, she lo- she's yeah, 13, and- but she also likes scary stuff. And this was just sort of like, was it the right frequency. It, mm. it's, it's really good. Wow. Yeah. I, so, John, I so, wanted to uh, ask you about good. this, though. It's, uh, so, you heard yeah. that obviously, because it was a huge hit, they're renewing it for a second uh, run. I think they're making a mistake doing it as a straight up sequel. Because, first of all, the, so do I. those kids are going to be awkward teenagers and it's nothing more depressing (laughs) than seeing like cute, funny, you know, like kids become pimply, awkward teenagers, you know, like, um, very few TV shows make that kid, those kids make that transition. Like Carl and the walking dead. Right. God, I want to see that guy eaten by zombies. Um, and, (laughs) um, uh, so I think that's part of the problem and also it's it was Stranger Things is such a great title and the concept of the show is so good that they could have done what they did with Fargo where Fargo, you right. know, the sequel season um, or seasons, you know they go – they're loosely based on the same kind of theme and vibe but they're a different story in a different place with basically different characters and me, that would have right. been the better way to go with this.
0: I think I think you're absolutely right about that. Although, you know, you just, you don't know because while Fargo worked and its second season worked really well, the second season of True Detective, which yeah. followed the same yeah. principle, was a catastrophe. Yeah. So, um, you know, and what they know is that people, you know, were, were jazzed. I mean, I would say that they should have moved it 10 years ahead and then tried to do for the 90s what they did for the 80s. Yeah. Essentially, yeah. see if they could Take this same setup in this town, it may get a little use kitschy, the same you know, setting. That, you know. No, but use the same setting, but see if they could evoke the more paranoid, more unsettled, yeah. you know, uh, more sexualized world of teenagers in the '90s. <laughs> or you <laughs> podcast no, but in like, 2016. Right. Yeah, okay, exactly. Okay. exactly. Right. Was yeah. Exactly. Four years later. <laughs> yeah.
1: Right. I'm dehydrated.
0: Right. Also, <laughs> I would say. Also, to be honest, I don't think I could take another season of Winona Ryder. I have to say, Winona Ryder plays the mother. Uh, I think it was an overheated, <laughs> it was an overheated wow. and dehydrated performance. <laughs> no, I liked her. Uh, I it she went did. a little. I thought she was good, but I think, as I say. That was enough. Like, I'm not yeah, showing sure that anymore fair. That's fair. Is, my, is my sense.
2: Um, I know we have to wrap here, but before we do, can we just at least acknowledge um, the death of Gene Wilder since we're doing pop culture? Oh, yeah. Ugh, Gene Wilder. You know, it's funny. I read uh, uh, literally six months
0: before he died, I read the, this memoir yeah. that he wrote called Never, Never Kiss a Stranger, which is not a very uh, interesting – it's not that good a book. But one of the striking – things about it is that he was lifelong obsessed with goodness and being a good person. And at some point he had this kind of obsessive compulsive habit of praying to God, even though he was not a particularly religious person. And, you know, he prayed three hours a day and he, you know, all he wanted to think about was like being a good person. He went to therapy to be a good person. He was constantly doing Wonderful, try to do all this, give all this help to his, his wives and their children and, you know, things like that. And I think that you can see, as I wrote in a piece in the Weekly Standard, how this, this concern interfered with him as a performer in the long run. That is that, you know, he was the peerless lunatic, right? That's, that was his great, the producers and Young Frankenstein. But bottled up, bottled up.
2: But his stick his, his was, "I am trying really hard not to be crazy right now right. Uh, and i'm i 'm going to do and, my best yeah, and then he just became lovable,
0: yeah, that was the thing, so then he became a star, and he made a bunch of movies in which he was just totally lovable although and and cuddly but I think there are great, great moments in all those movies. Way.
2: there are great moments in all those movies the in uh, lady in red there's some great moments in that movie. Yeah. Um, well, that's a we-
0: that's the only good movie that he wrote and directed, Lady yeah. and Midnight. He made like four or five. And that movies. Was a, they were mostly terrible. And that was a uh, that was a remake a
2: Pardon My pardon Mon Affaire, I think. Uh, right, but it was. I mean, like I I, I, tell, I don't know if I told the story on, on Glopp, but it's a, a you know it was a great uh, run through. A friend of mine was was there, and um, for what for his only short lived, not very good uh, TV series. And I think the part of the problem with the TV series was that he wanted to be you know he wanted to be good. And the show was released. a guy who uh, was a widower who had kids. He had married late in life, and all of his friends uh, were um, uh, uh, empty nesters at that point. And they'd tell him, listen, you got to, you know, you're you spending too much time with your kids. Just get a sitter. It's okay. Come and meet some grown-up people. Um, no kids because the character had a tendency just to bring the kids everywhere. And so he's trying to get out of the house and get the sitter in, and he's got five kids running around. And his younger, younger daughter is eating a big chocolate bar. And he says, no, you can't. So he takes the chocolate bar, puts it in his blazer pocket, and then kisses the kids goodbye and then goes to this fancy dinner party with his friends who have redone their living room. It's all in white, and it's like they're empty nesters and um, – And they want to introduce him to some people, and they say, I'll get you a glass of wine. They leave, and he sort of stretches out on the white sofa. says, This is kind of nice. And then he notices that there's a chocolate handprint he's put on one of the cushions. And this is all no dialogue. And he panics and freaks out and tries to cover it up. But in covering it up, he forgets that the other hand has also got chocolate on it. And within, I think, three or four minutes, in this incredible comic ballet, this beautiful white sofa is now covered. In uh, uh, it, chocolate handprints. And um, uh, everybody who was there said they've never laughed harder. they have never seen anything quite like it. It was yeah. a rehearsal. didn't do, didn't go so well in front of the audience. But there was a moment there where you're like, oh, my God. I wish we had had that because that was like a true genius at work yeah. without any dialogue. It's like, great. So that's another show business story.
0: That, uh, that show had Engage. the worst <laughs> of, any, of any show ever.
2: Yeah. Something wilder. Right. And it was originally it was called, uh, originally called Eligible Dentist. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, which, which, by the way, yeah. would have been a better name yeah. than something wilder. Yeah. Like it was actually a, a funny name. Yeah. But uh, so um, the the news. I think Rob, uh, as the proprietor of Ricochet, you should tell uh, well the, our listeners. We have been the big asked. News.
2: We have been asked over and over again. More glop. More glop. More glop. Um, we have also been asked. No more glop. No more glop. But we've chosen to focus entirely on the people who want more, and we are going to give you more. Uh, we're going to go to a we're going to go buy, uh weekly Not starting. that there's anything wrong no. with that. Um, we're going to go bi-weekly starting – Fortnightly. Fortnightly, starting in a fortnight, S- I believe. Semi-monthly. So semi-monthly. So I think you should look for the next glop in two weeks basically. I mean not even basically but actually literally look for it in two weeks.
0: Yeah, look for it. And uh, tell your friends. <laughs> yeah, look, and, you can uh, look for it all so you want. That's right. <laughs> That's right. So tell your friends and, uh, you know, uh, the more listeners we get, the happier we're going to be with this uh, greater commitment. So, And if you're listening uh, and you're not a member, please become a member. Of Ricochet.com. Ricochet. Right. So uh, anybody got anything to report? Any trips? Any speeches? Any appearances?
1: Um, I uh, I'm sure we'll have an opportunity to talk about it next time, but I'm on October 5th. I am a – I don't know what they call it, guest programmer, guest something or other um, for Turner Classic Movies.
2: Oh, awesome. I'm very jealous of that. Talking
1: about politics in movies. I'm the conservative. Um, and uh, apparently – the liberal? Uh, I was going to say, apparently they got the liberal. Uh, I'm, I'm just trying to guess what sort of sound leaves John Podort's body when I say this. Um, but they got Leon Wieseltier to be the liberal to talk about movies. Um, but I don't know what exactly he said or what movies he picked. Um, and uh, so that will be on. Oh, so you know guys are not
2: – you're not on together? You're not no, on No, we did
1: it separately. Um, and so I did – I picked two movies. And I'll, I'll say in advance that I gave them a list of like a, like a dozen movies that I wanted to talk about. Yeah. And basically only two of them were in their um, library. So those oh, wow. ones we picked, um, obviously, and uh, and you know more about that anon.
0: Oh. Well, I'm sure Leon picked a 1922 Albanian silent <laughs> about the 1367 trial of the philosopher Shosha. By the way, that's a good picture. It's a very uh, good picture. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it it the, other, the other the movie picture. was
1: just two men in a Swedish restaurant sighing, no dialogue. <laughs>
2: <laughs> huh. I think I saw, I saw that, that was, one. That's a yes, remake, yes, though, yes. of a finished movie. <laughs> yes,
0: engage. that was. Uh,
2: Sorry, yes. engage.
0: Yes, that was my <laughs> my dinner with Gunnar Bjornstrand. Yeah,
2: right. Uh, <laughs> wow. So, wow.
0: Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you, so this you? brings so this brings the new the first show of the new bi weekly era of. Uh, or a fortnightly era of glop to a close. I'm John Podhoritz for Rob Long and Jonah Goldberg. We'll see you in a couple weeks. You don't speak Engage for me.
2: Engage, fellas. Engage. 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 <laughs> Engage. <laughs> Hit
0: it. If you're blue and you don't know where to go to, why don't you go where fashion sits? Different types who wear a day coat, pants with stripes, or card away coat, perfect fits.
2: In the Dressed up like a million dollar trooper. Trying mighty
0: hard to look
2: like Gary Cooper. Cooper, Cooper!
0: Come let's mix where Rockefellers walk with sticks or Rombarellas in their midst.